<laughs> what day is it? Monday, Tuesday. I've lost track of this week. Even though I was the first one to be telling you. Don't forget, it's Tuesday, after the bank holiday Monday. And then I get there and I can't, can't remember what day it is. Christo's back with you uh, tomorrow. He'll be bright-eyed and bushy-tailed from uh, from tomorrow morning on LBC 97.3. Nice to be company. I'm Steve Allen. Everything you've heard about the programme, wait a minute, is, uh, is fairly true. Uh, we do tell the truth. Uh, we do uh, we do upset people on occasion, but frankly, I couldn't care less. I'm not in the, not in the business of trying to pander. Hang on, let me just move my microphone down. That's better. I'm not in the business of trying to to worry about whether you sort of please people all the time. We we only tell the truth, and that's why I have to stand here or sit here and tell you that I'm not remotely interested in Tony Blair's autobiography. I couldn't care blooming less. I really couldn't care less. I couldn't care... And it's, I think it's great that he's giving the advance to the British Legion. That, I think, should have been announced ages ago. Because, let's face it, he's lined his pockets with so much gold now. I think practically all the children have their own houses. I love the idea that uh, most of, the, uh, most of the, the serious papers have sort of run with him today. Uh, even though there were no advanced copies of the book. They didn't send out any advanced copies. So the Daily Mirror did one better. They bought a foreign copy and had it translated. <laughs> I mean, that's what you call journalism. That's what you call journalism. A foreign copy uh, in whichever language it was, and then they got it translated so they could find out little uh, bits and pieces. Uh, Carolyn sent me a, an email and said, don't send cash through the post. Your envelopes go through machinery and could burst. Many people are honest to work for the mailing companies, but please find another way. Do you know, I've been doing it for the past <sighs> 15 years. Carolyn, sending money through the post. And, you know, I've never lost a penny piece. And I've sent everything from uh, 20 quid to 500 pounds and never lost a penny piece. In fact, actually, I always get people to sort of phone me afterwards to say it's arrived. And my brother phoned me. He said, yeah, the last bit of money's arrived. Then I sent him money for his birthday. But then if you remember, I had all my money in my little jar and I changed it up at Sainsbury's. And I said, I'll, I'll send you half. And it was, 300 and, it was 348 pounds. And so I sent him 100 and... What did I send him? 160, I think. What did I send him? No, 160 I sent him. And I put that in an envelope. And off it went. And that arrived perfectly happily. So uh, the machinery is fine. It's, it's geared because it's only rubber rollers it goes through. As I say, never lost a penny piece. I wouldn't send it at Christmas, strangely enough. I send it the rest of the year. But I always say... And then actually, when I think about it, Christmas is probably the safest time of all because there are so many envelopes that are whizzing through. And if you put a 20 quid in an envelope, I mean, as, as a birthday for years ago, come on, most of us used to open up the cards hoping there'd be a 10 shilling note in there or a, I mean, a pound note was like, come on, blimey, somebody sent us a pound note. It just looked more, didn't it? Didn't you think that pound notes looked more than a pound coin and, and a 10 shilling note looked more than a 50 pence piece? And that I used to love. You'd open it go, look, a pound and occasionally, very, very occasionally, be a fiver. Although I, I think you can count those throughout my entire life, probably on one hand. But pound notes and, and ten shilling notes were fairly common. Lovely they were too. You put it all together. There's something about notes. We used to make our money go a darn sight further, didn't we, years ago? I don't know why we did. I suppose, I suppose because our, our expectations weren't as high. We didn't think, oh, I'm going to have this, I'm going to have that. We didn't. I don't remember running up HP. I think when I bought my first car, which was £100, I was offered a friend's Mini. He had a Mini, a little black Mini, which had uh, flecks of gold in it. It was, it was one of these sort of special paint finishes, and he wanted 70 quid for this car, and I didn't have £70. 
I didn't have £70 at the time. I was saving up. Uh, but the time I'd saved up the money, he'd sold it to somebody else. And I think it was like a Mini Cooper S. And it was really... I remember £70. Seemed like a fortune in those days. And I bought my first car, a Ford Popular, for 100 quid. Now, years later, having spent... You know, I think my first brand new car was 3,300 and I put it on uh, on easy terms. I bought three cars on easy terms and each time I've done it, I've regretted it. So now I only pay cash for things. You know, I save up for it and uh, and I pay cash. Why? Because I'm a good boy. I'm a good boy. Uh, Big Brother House, as boring as ever, I'm afraid. I wish I could tell you something very exciting about it, but uh, I can't. Uh, I am predicting, and I'm very rarely wrong, I will predict now that uh, Chantel and Preston will get back together again and do another fake romance, because the last one was fake and they milked it. Somebody was asked uh, about... Nick Bateman was asked on the programme the other day what he thought of Preston, and he thought he was a jumped-up little nobody who thought he was a pop star. I thought, well, you've summed him up quite well, haven't you? That's exactly what Preston is, a jumped-up little nobody who thinks he's somebody. Uh, Kerry Katona has turned to a higher power. She's seeing a psychic to boost her search for a bloke. Might help if you were less chavvy, darling. You know, but the only blokes that you're going to attract are, I'm afraid, uh, people who are going to sell you down the river. Like, you know, you've sold every aspect of your life. They're going to sell every aspect of your life as well. Chantelle admits she was suicidal after her breakup. It's always a good one to bring out, isn't it? Everybody, when they breaks up, feels suicidal. You don't really commit suicide you just feel suicidal you just feel like you know everything's collapsed you're in a horrible place and so considering she's in the big brother house boring the pants off everybody with this uh it's amazing you think she was actually sitting outside she's wearing somebody else's hair um she's just dreary although strange enough nikki you remember N- silly nikki the embarrassment to women everywhere my ipod doesn't work oh it works you know, that one, which we played time and time again and never failed to get a smile from people. You can't believe that something that stupid any bloke could ever go out with. And, of course, they don't. But her mother has now said, because Nikki was anorexic and can't have children, she'll have a child for Nikki. Uh, uh, uh. I'm so sorry. She said she really wants a child. I'm prepared to have one for her. Uh, I don't think so. I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry about that. I noticed that uh, Christo was terribly, terribly tactful about uh, greedy Adrian Charles and Christine. How are you, bleakly, as they start their dreary non-entity show? Uh, now, of course, uh, you can't shut them up, can you? The dreary twosome. Oh, good morning. Welcome to Daybreak. It's a wonderful day out there today. The sun is shining. And here we go with another... As you all fall asleep. And Christy, we go, hi you, hi you, hi you. And then we'll have a little cooking thing, and then we'll all go, I wish she'd get off my television. But anyway... Uh, they say the Beeb tried to portray them as money grabbers. No, we saw you, Adrian, I'm afraid, as some little, little, little diva who stamped his little foot. The reason they actually left uh, is because uh, they, were, they were bringing in Chris, uh, what's it? What's his name? Chris Evans on the Friday. And he thought that was sort of a bit of an insult. Silly little tart, honestly, Adrian. Do grow up, love. Just because Chris Evans comes in, a man with more experience, more money, and more successful programmes under his belt than you, you don't need to get worried about that, sweet pea. Christine couldn't have handled it, because, but luckily the new girl at the moment, who's, who's quite sweet on the one show, even though I think Jason Manford will be there. The trouble is with comedians, they run out of stuff after a while, and already I'm tiring of him. He's very sweet, but he's a bit of a one-off. But he was the best that they could find. When you think you could have been stuck with Matt Allwright or the bloke from Blue Peter, you know, I suppose Jason Manford is the best of a bad bunch. Uh, and you've got the new girl, and luckily she's learnt with Chris Evans. Keep your mouth shut, dear, OK? He's the turn. 
you're the little sidekick. He's the organ grinder. You're the little thing sitting on top holding out the cup with the money. So that's why it is so funny. Uh, Bleakly reacted angrily. I was so angry. You can just imagine, can't you, that she stalled over a new deal. She said, I was under contract till October, so there was no hurry. But she admitted once Charles had left, she found it difficult to carry on. God, they're so drippy, this pair, aren't they? They really are. It's like being... They're a bit David Dickinson. They're in an oil slick, and they're just so sugary yuck that you just can't bear it. Because they're trying to make out, you know, that they're really together, and that chemistry's going to work on screen. Yeah, at five in the morning, I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to see it. It'll be hilarious. She says, the first day he left, I thought, I've lost my right arm here. Well, actually, what she said was, I've lost my right arm. <laughs> And she says, suddenly, everything I knew and loved changed overnight. What she said was, he's gone. (laughs) And that was that. And then he went, do you want to come with me? And she went, "Okay." And so off she went, you know, in her own funny little way, dragging along behind that little sort of footballer bloke who's never had so much publicity in his life. You know, after Ellen Reeve sort of uh, droned on and on about poor old Frank Lampard. And apparently they're now saying that Christine, I do, and Frank was seen walking out of a church the other day, hand in hand, fueling speculation that they're going to get married. I also walked past an undertaker's the other day. There is no indication that I'm going to drop dead in about five minutes, all right? I've also slept in the bridal suite. That ain't happening either. So let's just stop being very silly. Um, Dirty Katie Price. I'm sorry to say dirty Katie Price, but she is, I'm afraid, a sex pest. And I'll tell you why she's a sex pest a little bit later on this morning. So I, I want to make you wait for it, which I think is quite good. Well done, incidentally, to J.K. Rowling. You know, people give money to charity. I give money to charity. She gives to MS... It's boiling in there. 10 million. 10 million quid. So, uh, well done to her. There's a family of 13 stuck in a three-bed house. Three of them aren't her kids. She says, I've taken in my sister's three. Can't help feeling they just pass these kids around like presents or something. Don't know why she's taking a nerve. So they're in the papers today droning on and on, as is Tony Blair. Simon Cowell has revealed that Chloe Mafia will not be booted off X Factor because she works as a prostitute. Um, so he said, no, it's open to everybody. Which, of course, it's absolutely right. I just think it's a bit sad that you get some old brass up on the television and now you can see what they look like in the daylight and you think, somebody pays for that? Apparently so. And so she's on the show... And uh, he says, I'm, I'm stunned that she's working as a, as a hooker. But he said, we're, we're open to anybody on the show. And I thought, well, that's quite good. The trouble is, she's another one of these, not blessed with looks, fake hair. You can see it's stuck on. It's terrible. However, if she becomes a role model through X Factor, all the experts are saying, this now makes it OK for kids to go, OK, it's OK to be a prostitute, is it? To be abused by men, to be thrown around, to be beaten up. Kicked in the face, punched, burnt. Oh, well, that's fine, Chloe. You do it, love. You do it. Because every old brass that I've ever met all says, oh, I'm making an absolute fortune. They don't tell you about the drugs they're forced to take, how they're forced to have unprotected sex, how they're kicked and beaten by their pimps. They always try and pretend they're having a fantastic time. Let me tell you, you don't find any brasses nowadays without bruises over half their bodies. That's what they're there for. They get abused by men. So to put somebody on the X Factor, it might be fine for Simon to say we don't discriminate, and that's great, but unfortunately, they're not role models, OK? You don't ever, ever want to become a prostitute. It's the lowest of the low. You don't need to do it. 
It's as simple as that. I love the way they go, well, I had to feed my children. What a load of old cobblers. Absolute rubbish. There's loads of people who've got children who don't turn to prostitution. Old slappers turn to prostitution. And unfortunately, then they get abused. But you keep telling them, these are the pitfalls. Can't do anything about it. News headlines as Barack Obama declares the official end of combat operations in Iraq. Tony Blair's memoirs go on sale today. The former Prime Minister says the decision to go to war in Iraq was the right one. Ballot papers go out to Labour members across London later as they prepare to vote for a new party leader. Candidate Una King says she can reach parts of London. Ken Livingston can't. And a quarter of people who drink alcohol exceed the recommended healthy limit every week. The university in Liverpool's also found over five years, 65% more people have been admitted to hospital because of drinking. Let's have a check on the uh, roads for you this morning. It's Ferrari and have your say this morning from 7, LBC 97.3. Remember I told you a couple of weeks ago about another bent person who's been claiming benefits? We told you the story of Matthew Thomas. Matthew Thomas is a top sprinter who competed nationally and coached young athletes whilst pocketing sick pay for a bad back. Load of old baloney, wasn't it, really? He was paid over £14,000 over seven months after injuring his back, falling off a ladder. Well, it becomes the, uh, the norm nowadays. People fall off and then they go, oh, I'm hurt, and, and it turns out to be fake. It turns out that it's a load of old rubbish. And uh, I mentioned this man a short while ago. I'm never wrong. I can always I can sniff these people out a mile off. The benefit fraudsters just been found guilty as charged. He'll be, he'll be uh, sentenced later this month. Um, I suppose it's too much to hope that we're going to grab back the 14 grand that we've given this tow rag, or or perhaps we're just going to give him community service or so. I don't know why somebody claims 14 grand. Uh, he ran in two race meetings while signed off from his job as a payroll officer at East London's Newham Council. He represented St Lucia at the 2006 Commonwealth Games, also led coaching sessions for a police athletic, athletic scheme. He said that he, he, he couldn't sit at a desk, but running was rehab for him. A load of old cobblers again, as usual. So anyway, guilty as charged, my lads. So let's wait and see what happens. It will be lost. What? A pen? Um, pen. Wait, oh, no, I've not got one here. Pound. Pound. I'll give it to you later. OK. Just pop it in my tab. I'll put it in your tab, OK. Well, it's two pounds if it goes on your tab. It's pound cash, you know, like <laughs> most of these things are nowadays. Uh, so, there he is. And also, the other thing which is going to get you going... You remember the old bag who dropped the cat in the, in the, the wheelie bin thing? And, uh, she, oh, I don't know what came over you. I know what came over you, darling. You're vile. And uh, nobody likes you. You're a bit like Jordan. We don't know why we don't like you. We just don't like you. I think the death threats were a little bit stupid and people writing that kind of thing. But you're not a very nice person. Although, as I say, you're only, you're only 45, but you look about 90. And you're just vile. And I'm glad that you were caught on CCTV because she'd be the person who'd turn up on the door if we didn't have it. Go, Did you do that? No. I don't know anything about it. And she'd stand there looking all innocent, being the blatant old bag she is. Anyway... She's off work with stress. She's managed to find a doctor to give her a note. And she goes, oh, I'm really stressed. So she's on full pay. I tell you, I'm, I'm thinking about picking up a cat myself this morning and just chucking it in the air with a parachute. Go on, float down on that one. I'll just see if I can get time off work on full pay. It's absolutely outrageous. If I was Royal Bank of Scotland, kick her out. Okay, what's the point? She's, she, you know, it's just rubbish. Just can you imagine... I always keep thinking about... Every time you read about somebody off, off work with stress, 
And it is quite difficult to prove in a lot of cases. It's like people who walk in with a neck brace. Oh, I, re- I can't move my neck brace. You think, yeah, yeah, yeah. Rubbish, isn't it? It's a lot of old cobblers. Uh, it's my favourite word of the morning, I've discovered. I should have used it about four times this morning. Said because I can't use another rude word. But anyway, so um, you imagine being in Somalia and you turn up your job and say, I'm terribly sorry, I can't actually work today. Uh, would you carry on paying me? I don't think so, no. You know, or you go to Africa, or you go to... You go anywhere, and you start claiming the old things that people claim in this country and think it's quite normal. And they go, I'm sorry, uh, what do you mean, pay you when you're not working? I don't think so. Oh, can I have a house and a car? I don't think so, no. Why do you think everybody turns up here on the doorstep and starts milking the system? You know, it's as simple as that. Um, I'm sorry to mention the fact uh, that Jordan's so early on in the programme, but I'm afraid she is pure and utter filth. If this had been anybody else, this would have been a police case. Uh, because it comes under the heading here of just obscenity. Now, Jordan, not doing very well at the moment, um, she was signing uh, copies of the book she never wrote the other day. We can say that because she can't write. She's quite illiterate. She doesn't design anything. She can't... She doesn't do anything at all. What she does, she puts a name to it. In this case, she wrote an obscene autograph for a 13-year-old boy. I cannot repeat... Uh, what she wrote here, but she accused him of staring at her chest. This old tart, I'm afraid, turns up wearing one of her cheap, tacky outfits, because she is cheap and tacky, and uh, he bought one of her books. I've got no idea why. I must be immensely stupid. 13-year-old. So she writes something obscene in it. Um, she also embarrassed him by saying, are you staring at my boobs? He, he bought the novel Paradise. Again, she had nothing to do with it. She apparently comes up with the idea... I've got a good idea. Fat, blousy, well-known has-been leaves the country forever. There's a good one. There's a, that, write a theme about that one. Anyway, uh, apparently Shirley, who's a full-time carer for him, said the woman is a disgrace. He's 13. Now, the trouble is, I don't know whether or not, and I'm, I'm, I'm not even erring on the side of caution on this one, most 13-year-old boys are well aware of sexuality at 13. I'm sorry, you're looking at a picture of them. You know, they ain't no innocence at 13. They're fathering children. I'm not saying he's fathering children, but I'm saying they're not naive. If he's going along to get a book signed by Jordan, he knows who Jordan is. She's not little Miss Marple who's turned up to the corner shop to sign something. She's that filthy, big-chested old bag who turns up on the television talking about who she's slept with and who she hasn't slept with and how many times a day she's bonking. So it's, it's just ridiculous. Anyway... Uh, the revelation is bad news for her agent declined to comment on the sex message. Of course they are. But there is a rumour in one of the other papers she's going to leave the country. Got her in the papers, you see. That's all she'll worry about. But she didn't show at the Edinburgh Festival. She blamed unforeseen circumstances. Mm, I wonder what they would be, sweet pea. I wonder what they would be. Which is all a bit worrying, isn't it? But anyway, if she does leave the country, I'll be the first one to push her off, together with the Lavender twins. It'd be quite nice to see the back of all of them, actually. Um Jerry Hall, Texan supermodel. Am I the only one bored with Jerry Hall? I couldn't care less about Jerry Hall. I'm really not interested. She's got that kind of voice, you know, because she comes from Texas. Mind you, I suppose you've got to have these sort of voices now to get noticed in the press. Billy Piper has filmed her kinkiest scenes yet as hooker Belle du Jour. Am I the only one that thinks Billy Piper just looks like a bloke in drag? I'm sorry, I don't see Billy Piper as being sexy, sexual, or anything. You could stick anybody. I mean, I look pretty hot in a bask and stockings. It's as simple as that. I look sexier than she does. Miss Sourface, <sighs> with the old fags on all over the place. You know, it doesn't look sexy at all. She was never sexy. She was always the bird prone to putting on the weight. She was always the one with the, with the mild singing career. 
You know, she was never actually that exciting at all. Uh, apparently, oh, it's just been confirmed now, Tony Blair's book goes on sale. Uh, that's why they've done no previews to any of the journalists. <coughs> Excuse me, what they've done is they've released little snippets so they can put them in there. The only paper that's actually done it properly is the Mirror, who bought an overseas copy and had it translated back into English, which I think is quite good, actually. But he's doing two book signings today. Uh, that'll be interesting. Stop the War Coalition are going to be outside Waterstones next week. They've called for a mass protest. I think the only mass protest will be that nobody buys it. it already it's practically half price on Amazon, whereas poor old um, the, the wife, her, Cherie, Cherie Blair, uh, her, her, her book is in Poundland for a pound already, so it shouldn't take too long uh, before we get uh, his in there as well. Uh, other things in the paper today, very quick. Sorry, I'm just uh, reading about Big Brother villains, Victor Ibua and Nick Bateman, rubbish Preston and Nicky. This is what they said. Victor said his first impressions of Preston were that he was a jumped-up, stuck-up, pretentious rock wannabe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would go along with that. Preston, whose shoe size is bigger than his IQ, I think. And then uh, Nicky Grant's mum. And here they are, the dreary twosome. It's not about money. No, it isn't. Christine Bleakley and dreary Adrian Childs at their new studio. I mean, God in heaven. Thank God there's radio, ladies and gentlemen. That's all I can say. You wake up with something. It doesn't matter what we look like. I mean, the fact that I am Amazonian, blonde, rippling muscles. OK, get the picture for the ladies listening. For the men, I'm quite weedy and thin and very unattractive, I'm afraid. <laughs> believe what you want to believe, unless you've been to a show, in which case then you know the truth. Uh, Anne is back uh, from the holiday in Mallorca. I'm happy to be back in my comfort zone... I took six books to read and ended up reading Chris Evans' autobiography that was in the villa. When are you writing yours? Ha <laughs> um, I think they'd have to get it censored by somebody. They'd have to, I'd, I'd, it'd be quite interesting, wouldn't it? Ce- celebrities I've known and loved. You know. <laughs> you produce, do you know, I had a dream about Jordan last night. I dreamt that somebody said, we signed her up at LBC to be a presenter. I said, well, she, she can't be any worse than Jade Goody, I'm afraid, who was presenting on LBC when we did a big link-up around the country and she was with Simon Bates, poor soul. I can remember, do you met Simon? Well, good morning, everybody. Yeah, what? You know, and it was a bit like Miss Thicko meets, you know, Mr Gentle. He didn't know what had hit him, poor soul. I mean, it was almost car crash radio if, if it hadn't been just disastrously awful. And why is it, am I the only one, who really couldn't give a forex about the Stig in Top Gear. I couldn't care less who it is. Why are the Beeb going to such lengths to try and protect uh, Ben Collins, who they say is the Stig? He was the one who was writing the book. Then they go to court and they're going that it's, it's protecting his identity and stops him being made... Who cares? It's a man in a crash helmet. You know, I'd be more interested in, in who's actually playing the part of all the other dipsticks on the programme. You know, old men with hair a little bit too long, if you get my drift. There's something to matter with sort of jeans a little bit too tight and just a little bit blokey. To be, you know, to be blokey at that age is a bit sad. And who gives a stuff about some bloke in a helmet who's decided to write his book? Whether or not it's Ben Collins, I couldn't care, I couldn't care less. I don't know who he is. I'm not... So, man drives car on TV programme. Big blooming deal. I mean, I'm as bad as Natalie Cassidy. Woman has baby. <gasps> no! How did that happen? Well, she doesn't know. She hasn't got the faintest idea. Oh, fat Cassidy is going, well, I just thought that my diet wasn't working anymore after she brought out the fitness video that never blooming worked. So, if in doubt, 
Get yourself pregnant. I think, I'm sure now, people think of things. They sit at home, they go, right, need to get you back in the papers. What have you done recently? I haven't done anything. Did, did you used to shoplift? No. Well, I, I pinched something once. That's it, that's it. I had to shoplift to feed my children. That's it. Go, go for that one. That's great. All these PRs sit there trying to think of things to try and get it all going. And sometimes it works... And sometimes it doesn't. In the case of Natalie Cassidy, her reality show just disappeared without a trace, which, of course, is... as. Morning, everybody. 28 to 6 uh, from the Lord Kitchen, a restaurant in Cyprus. Getting very cold here. Only 30 degrees yesterday. Nearly had to wear a top, says Dean, Fiona, Gabby and Seb. Oh, lovely. Actually, we had quite a nice day here yesterday. I mean, it actually wasn't bad weather at all. Was not bad weather. The hairdresser's still not open in Twickenham. We're still waiting on this one. I don't think it's going to be open today either. Michael swears blind it will be, but then he swore blind it was going to open yesterday. And uh, they've got a lot more to do. You know, they haven't put the toilet in. Might have all been in overnight, but they'd have to have stayed there till about six o'clock this morning because uh, they were still putting things in there yesterday. The floor had only just started going down. They've got to bring all the chairs. I just think it'll be... I mean, I was thinking lunchtime, and then I was thinking, blimey, they need an army of cleaners to come in because after builders have been in, you've got to get stuff cleaned, haven't you? And you know, when you've, when you've had plastering, the dust, the dust, brick dust, and oh, dreadful, dreadful, dreadful. Uh, I don't know, as I mentioned yesterday and the day before, if you've been watching the Jedward programme. This is where they take the two boys and they, uh, they put them in a, in a flat and, and they jump around like five-year-olds because, as somebody pointed out, they're 18, but that, that, that's, that's not 18 each. They're, they're actually nine and they do talk a load of old nonsense. And they are... I'm going to put this politely. Put it this way... They're not the most intelligent 18-year-olds I've ever seen. Anyway, uh, they, uh, one of them's a bit irritating. And I can't remember which one it is. Well, but no, one of them doesn't say anything at the interviews. One does all the talking, and he's very irritating. He obviously thinks he's something special, whereas, it, you know, you sort of think to yourself, you've got to be careful. Well, anyway, yesterday, they were out dressed as Ronnie and Reggie Cray. So they flattened their hair down, OK, and they've done a, um, a photo shoot for a magazine... And it's taken them on a tour of East London, taking in iconic gangster land sites like the Blind Beggar Pub. So they've taken them out to be photo... Exactly. I mean, do you think that Jedward, who, let's face it, had never turned on an oven before, have the faintest idea who the craze are? Not a cat in hell's chance. They don't know anybody at all. I mean, they really are the dimmest ever. However, don't let appearances deceive, says the Mirror today. In no time, the twins were back yabbering nonsense. Edward says, some of the biggest stars met with criticism when they first started. When Rihanna came out with her first album, it was OK, but then she released Good Girl Gone Bad. Everyone was like, wow, it was the same with Beyonce. Maybe Jay-Z will now snap them up. They really believe that they've got something to hear. As models, I think they might just make it, provided they don't open their mouths. As long as they don't open their mouths, everybody's agreed, they're fine. But they are a little bit odd. And I'll, I'll, I think we'll have to leave it at, at just odd. Noreen is on holiday. Says, morning, Stephen Jonathan. He'll be in very shortly. Uh, all good here except me in charge of a wheelchair. Nearly had Brian tipped out a few times. Us oldies. Can you imagine me pushing Brian? I expect a photo from that one. Very hot, she says. I was in the pool as soon as we'd, un- we'd unpacked. Hope Amanda had a brilliant time on holiday. She didn't go anywhere. She uh, sat at home with a sunburn. So, I mean, I have to keep the, the pretense going because uh, she, 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 she's told everybody that she went away. No, she didn't. 
I know that because I'd already phoned up customs to guarantee she wasn't going to get out of the country. And, uh, and she sat at home with a little sunbed learning to speak Spanish. You know, she could have one of those linguophone courses. A little bit like Audrey Forbes Hamilton into The Manor Born, where she was so poor... She had to pretend she'd gone away on holiday, so she, she got, got in the car, packed everything, went off, and then she crouched down on the back seat, came back in and crept into the house, and then put her sunbed on so she could look as though she got a tan, and then listen to, um, to Spanish language courses. And she did exactly the same, but she didn't quite, she didn't remember to close the curtains properly, and so we could see through... And there was Amanda in her sort of mankini, and she was there, you know, trying to get an all-over turn. Okay, Just hold that thought in your head just for the moment, just to guarantee... Yes, I've just stopped looking through your curtains. I'm really sorry. It's my car. It's a bit obvious, isn't it? You know, you take the car out somewhere, and you think, oh, I'll get... And you think, oh, no, everybody will see the car. It takes up the street. I know. I got it washed the other day. I was quite pleased with it, actually. I got it washed. And it, I always feel better than that. Vincent Moss is looking through the paper's day, political editor of the Sunday Mirror. So no doubt they're going to be talking about Tony Blair's book, Much Awaited, by whom I cannot imagine. Uh, they've announced where he's going to be signing. Um, I, I can well imagine that there's going to be people out there picketing. Do you, not, do you not see that? The people from Stop the War, the families of people who died. I, I could just see all sorts of things. He is totally unrepentant. They've actually said here on the Daily Mail... Today, Tony Blair's much-hyped memoirs go on sale, pushing his self-serving justification of the Iraq war. He insists they're a faithful record. His critics say all they offer are crocodile tears and still no apology. I mean, as Tony Blair goes around the world lining his pockets and buying houses left, right and centre. Uh, Ian says a pound's a bit pricey for Cherie's book. It is, isn't it? Well, I don't, well, I don't know. I think it's quite good value for a pound. I, think I might actually go to Poundland and buy a copy for a pound. I think that's kind of worth it. Don't you think it's worth it? I think it's good. Uh, no, it's serious. It's in the papers at a pound. Oh, he's joking. Oh, he thinks it's a bit pricey. Yeah. But but it is good value. It's normally it's sold for, is it eighteen ninety nine? But Poundland, I know. Well, I would pay a pound for it. I think it's absolutely worth a pound. Poundland say it's been their biggest success. They ordered 1,600 copies of it. So obviously it was going to be pulped. And they've only got 63 left. So I'm going to go and buy it today, because I can't see anybody around Twickenham buying the blooming thing. Let's face it. Duh. We're getting a load of old chavs coming in on the buses. It's getting really desperately naff at the moment. Oh, dear. I tell you, the fattest people in the world seem to descend on Twickenham. What is the matter with them all? And you could tell it's always the mum pushing the pram, big hoop earrings, hair scraped back. Uh, Stephen Harlington says, Una King says she can reach parts of London that Ken Livingstone can't. What's her middle name? Carlsberg? Una Carlsberg King. I know, we're coming up to that, aren't they? I'd love to... Yes, I, I, was, I was tempted to ask you who you would vote for in a mayoral election. Who you would vote for. Yeah, who would be your dream... And don't, don't write me, because it's kind of a waste of a text. But, I mean, you know, if, given the choice of, say, Ken Livingstone, Una King or Boris, who would you, who would you vote for? Well, they're, they're, the only, they're the only runners. We don't have anybody else at the moment. Well, I think Una King's a bit of a fantasy for some people, but I'm not willing to go for it at the moment. But who, who would you vote for? Who, who would you go for? Just do an instant straw poll among the candidates at the moment. Who would you go for? Who would the LBC audience go for? So it's either going to be Boris, Ken or Una. There's nobody else throwing their hat in the ring, is there? Perhaps I should throw my hat in the ring. Just a, just a little straw poll. Let's find out which way it would go at the moment. Could be quite interesting. Could be quite interesting. Perhaps we might have a few surprises. 84850... Uh, Mary says, after listening to your show on films that make you cry, I bought and watched The Notebook, which is good. Nadia says, you're so funny and you say everything I'm thinking. Really? 
Okay. Must be a little bit psychic this morning. Bit worrying, because we don't we don't generally do psychic things on the programme, except Sam and Stuart have let me know that Coach Trip has returned to Channel 4. I'm watching a little bit of it. We do like Brendan. It's not bad. The voiceover is the wrong voiceover. They've they've changed the voiceover. And the other voiceover was really, really good, and this one's not very good at all. And I don't know why they've they've changed the voiceover. It'd be like changing the voiceover on Come Dine With Me. Because that that's another programme that has odd people on, isn't it? Uh, headline forecast after a chilly start, because yesterday I went out and bought a winter coat. I went to Marks and Spencer's, because I needed a, a couple of uh, bits and things. So. And uh, so I went to that, and they had these sort of winter coats on with um, flat pockets. How do I describe flat pockets? Pockets that go down as opposed to sideways. Because sometimes if you put stuff in, you sit in the car the stuff falls out of your pockets. If it's a flat, straight-down pocket, it was quite good, and it was £129 for this coat, and I thought, I'll treat myself. And it's quite nice. It's the sort of thing that uh, that David wear on XFM. It's the sort of coat he would wear. I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, it's, it's OK, because it looks OK on me. I'm not going to wear a flat cap and a scarf, because I think if you wear a flat cap, you look a bit like that prune who is married to Jade Goody, don't you? Perhaps I should come in dressed as him. Should I come in dressed as him? Just to see if he recognises himself. I could hold up a mirror image. I could have, have his sort of picture on a, on a mask. They're quite nice. The coat's quite good, though. I can't wear skinny jeans. He must have... He can't have any... Do you know, I think it must be all the people who do the XFM breakfast show. They must all have just particularly skinny legs. Because I've got a bit of meat on my legs, because I'm a bit athletic. And uh, I don't think anybody else is athletic. They're all, they're all young and skinny. Everybody's young. I've, you look at them on... Well, there's a couple, maybe. And... Well, probably half of them, anyway. But most of them on the breakfast show are little skinny things. There's no weight on them whatsoever. And perhaps they don't eat. Perhaps there's no eating. There's enough of them, I tell you. It's like it's like the borrowers in there in the morning. It's like, all oh, these people rushing around and waving and like that. Whereas we're all quite sedate in here. You know, by the time I've come in and changed the studio walls, because I cannot work with blue, so I've started doing an Yvonne and Barry Stuart Hargreaves from Heidi High. I've started bringing in flocked wallpaper, and I'm pinning it up every morning with a bit of blue tack. Because I think it makes the studio look a little bit more exciting. And, and I'm trying to think which colour will go with Tony Blair's book today. And the answer is not one colour. Not one colour. Because I'm not going to buy the book. Would you buy the book? Would you be remotely interested in buying Tony Blair's memoirs? I often think they're only written for people in the Houses of Parliament. So any self-respecting MP will have to go out and buy it. So that they know exactly what's been going on. But I don't think any member of the public, to be honest with you, is going to be remotely interested in reading it. Apart from just a handful of people who go, well, I'm going out to buy that. I bet you'll find people today on LBC going, yes, I, I've already pre-ordered it and it's just arrived in the post and people will be talking about it. But to be honest with you, every single thing that's in somebody's book now, you can read in the newspapers. Because it'll be serialised. That's how they will, they will make the, the four million. Can't see them actually not, uh, not, not, sort of, not sort of not getting the money for that. At least it's going to a good cause. But as I say, perhaps it's his way of appeasing everybody. I'm giving all the money to charity and people are going... Doesn't kind of make it different, does it? You know, it doesn't doesn't change things. You can't bring back people that you've lost. On the other hand, I always think that if you join up and you go to war as a soldier, there is a risk that you might lose your life. However bad that is, it's yeah. But I'm I'm not really interested in them. I really couldn't care less about them. I'm more interested in our soldiers who go out there and the parents who say that they weren't equipped. We didn't, if you remember, we didn't have the right boots. We didn't have, I mean, one time they didn't actually have enough bullets. 
And you think, we spend loads of money on ridiculous things like bloody roadworks in this country. I've lost track of the amount of time we dig up the roads around London and the amount of civil servants there are who are doing nothing. Doing nothing. It's the biggest time waster of all time. Civil servants. There are thousands of them. Thousands upon thousands. Doing what? No idea. Oh, incidentally, I forgot to mention my driver this morning. I was so tired. But we turned left to go into Earl's Court, whereas they've opened the Cromwell Road. You don't need to do that long detour down through Earl's Court now. So if you come in there, I know it's been closed, but for the last three days it's been open again. And um, and you can go through there. Uh, oh, it's Pina. Dear me, she's not talking now. Pina thinks I'm seeing another woman, says Dean in sight. But I, I called her Fiona, as opposed to Pina. Oh, well, there you go. He's seeing another woman, OK? I love it when we can, we can promote harmony. <laughs> Catherine says... Can you wish my goddaughter Claire a very happy 18th birthday today from her doting Auntie Catherine? Nothing worse than a doting auntie. And so have a very happy birthday today. It says, can't wait for your Christmas live shows. I can't wait for them either. The uh, tickets are not on sale yet. I'll, I'll let you know a little bit nearer the time. But the date for your diary, I think, is going to be the 4th of December, which is a Saturday. OK. Uh, Tony says, some people may not like the way you have a go at certain things or people. Who? I've never had anything like that. I've never had anybody who doesn't uh, like the uh, like the way that we have a go at certain things. Because we're always right. We're always 100% right. I was right about the fraudulent runner. I was uh, right about the woman who works for the Royal Bank of Scotland. I did predict on the programme, she'll be off with stress very shortly, working on the assumption you can sit at home for years with Royal Bank of Scotland and they'll happily pay your wages. And uh, but, but the best news of the day is J.K. Rowling giving £10 million for a multiple sclerosis research clinic. I know she's got £500 million, but frankly, £10 million is nothing short of brilliance. Absolutely nothing short of brilliant. So, well done to her. You'll see another story in the papers today, and it's a woman who turns up by the side of a river with some puppies in a uh, bucket. And she's pictured on... Uh, a video sharing site uh, by the side of the river with the puppies picking one up and throwing it into the river uh, in which case they drown and the papers have all said we have to find this woman here she throws them one at a time into the river to drown I have to tell you it's from Croatia there is no chance of you finding this woman over there because it's a child doing it they're not remotely interested they really aren't. It's a child. They're never going to prosecute a child. But uh, she throws them in the river to drown and then for some reason films it. I mean, she's quite clearly a rather stupid, thick person. But there you go. As long as she stays over there and doesn't come here, I couldn't care less. 14 to 6. <laughs> the headlines. Anti-war demonstrators are planning a big protest outside Waterstones on Piccadilly later as Tony Blair's controversial memoirs go on sale. According to leaked reports in the papers, the former Prime Minister says he still doesn't regret going into Iraq. This is on the day Barack Obama's officially ended America's combat mission in Iraq, but without declaring it a victory. In a speech delivered in the Oval Office, the President says the US has paid a huge price to put Iraq's future in its people's hands. And a quarter of people who drink alcohol exceed the recommended healthy limit every week. A university in Liverpool has found over five years, 65% more people have been admitted to hospital because of drinking. Let's check on the state of the roads. Ferrari and have your say this morning from 7, LBC 97.3. So, Ken, Boris, Una. Just a, little, a quick little straw poll. Who do you fancy as Mayor of London? On the other hand, if you fancy somebody else, 
Let us know. Just do a, a quick instant poll at this time of the morning. Just find out who you fancy as Mayor of London. Would you want to go back to Ken? Do you want to stick with Boris if he wants to hang on to the job? Or do you fancy a woman having the job? Or do you think, frankly, we don't need a mayor at all? It's just another waste of public money. 84850 or steve at lbc.co.uk. Proving that the law is really an ass over here. You can get people who cheat the system to the tune of thousands or, you know, rob children's charities or do anything like that, and they get nothing apart from community service. You know, you can throw cats in wheelie bins now and nobody does a thing about it. And yet a dodgy emergency locksmith exposed on the BBC show Rogue Traders has been jailed for cheating customers out of hundreds of pounds. Not thousands, hundreds. He's a rather stupid man, Mark Makovsky. Uh, from Broxbourne in Hertfordshire, charged up to four times more than the prices quoted. He would stretch out jobs and drill through locks unnecessarily. He's been jailed for four years. Now, to be honest, based on that one, every single person that ever appears on Rogue Traders or any of these other... pro In fact, I think everybody on Cash in the Attic should be jailed for embarrassing TV programming, I'm afraid, uh, or failing at any celebrity cash in the attics. I think we should lock the celebrities up immediately, as we had Lowry Turner, who wanted to donate, was it, two or three hundred pounds to her favourite charity, in return for a half-hour dreariness from Lowry the Boar Turner, I'm afraid. Dreadful. So the judge at the old... This court, this case went to the Old Bailey, of all places. You know, there are no end of cheating people who go out there and just rip the public off. I mean, don't you, every time you pick up the phone to call somebody out, think, oh, God, I hope they're going to be honest. I hope they're going to be honest. And you're not, you're not totally sure whether they are honest or they're not honest. It's, it's difficult to tell nowadays. And, and even though people say, oh, this is a really honest person. So, you know, you, you have to you pay your money and you take your choice. There's a, a gangland boss. His name is Valdez. He's, uh, he's one. That they, they call him La Barbie because of his fair skin and blue eyes. But uh, he comes from the brutal world of drug gangs. Uh, this one is over in Mexico, where in Mexico, and I don't want to ruin your breakfast this morning, but the latest form of execution between the drug gangs is beheading. The latest people were hung upside down from a bridge in Mexico as the whole of the city were leaving for their bank holiday and they had their heads cut off. And it's a warning to other drug gangs. Don't mess on our turf. By the same token... There's a bloke in Glasgow in the paper today. He was driving his car. I thought it was all innocent until I realised that uh, all these people are part of drug wars. Even in Glasgow, they have drug wars. Twelve men in a car rammed him off the road and then proceeded with the aid of a chisel to cut his bits off. And that's all I can tell you. He survived, but uh, they'd already drilled through his brother's head with an electric drill the week before. And you think your life's bad. I tell you, you get, these people that get involved with drugs, and this little uh, bloke here, Valdez, uh, he looks, you know, he looks a bit simple, of course, but uh, he runs this cartel. He's overseen, they say, thousands of murders. So the people who arrest him have to make sure that they're not identifiable, because otherwise they'll be found hanging under bridges, police or not. They really couldn't care less. They just, uh, you know, and he unfortunately he's wearing a London T-shirt... You know, one of these sort of welcome to London kind of things. James Whale for Mayor. Stephen Harlington says, given that choice, it has to be Boris. Ben in Dagenham says, uh, all vote Ken back. But long live Steve Allen. Just true. Nick Ferrari for Mayor. Jill says, in your straw poll, I shall go for Boris. 
Nancy says, I think people should buy the book even if they don't read it for the sake of the British Legion. No, you haven't understood, Nancy. It's got nothing to do with the British Legion. The amount of books he sells has got nothing to do with the British Legion. The money's not based on that. It was his advance. He's already had the money. The £4 million advance that they give him for the book. So even if nobody buys a book, they get the £4 million, OK? You didn't... You, sorry, I should have explained that before to you. But uh, that's how it works. He's already had the £4 million advance. It's the advance that they're getting. And uh, then probably some of the other money, so people shouldn't go and buy the book. Unless, of course, you really want to read it. But if you, if you want to give money to the uh, British Legion, then give money to the British Legion. You don't need to buy a book for it. Just go and give some money to them. They're always grateful for money, the British Legion. They can always do with it. Join, join them or, you know, go along, support them for Poppy Day and all those kind of things. You know, help for heroes, any of those kind of things that help, you know, it's something the government should be doing, something the government should be funding. I don't know why the hell we're actually funding the British Legion. The government should be bending over backwards to give money to the British Legion. As usual, it's the great British public who put their hands in their pockets and, uh, and we give. I think out of all the countries in the world, probably barring America, we give the most. We give the most, you know, to any charity that comes up. All the adverts on the television. And we, what do we do? We phone up and we give our credit card details. Here is the mum in the paper today. She's moaning, moaning, moaning. She's got ten children. Her name is Donna Harrison. She's only 34. She's got ten children. You think maybe contraception, darling, might be the way forward for you in the future. But she's our social landlord in communities to provide the next-door accommodation, saying, I can't cope, I'm on antidepressants. Stop having sex, then. She's got all these children. She says, we're living four to a room. She's a mother of seven, but she's taken in three of her sister's children after their guardian, who is Donna's mum, died of cancer five years ago. So she's taken on three of her sisters. Is her sister still alive? We know the mum's not alive. So she's now got all of these children living in a house, and she said, I want two council houses. Her husband, sorry, her partner, because nobody marries now, do they? Uh, his full-time wage is the family's only income. I think he's a driver. She says, for ten kids, couldn't they knock two houses together? Why? Nobody asked you to have ten children, dear. I don't understand why people have ten children. They go, give us two houses. Why don't you do like the rest of the country, save up for things? If you can't afford to have children, don't blah, 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 have them. I get so annoyed with these people who go, give me two houses for my ten kids. Stop having kids. If I was the council, I'd take them away, put them into care, get them working, up chimneys, do anything. Such ridiculous. So you keep having children and we have to keep giving you free housing. Don't think so, love. Don't think so. There's a word called condom. Why don't you try that for a change? Um, there's a teenager here who was shot in an ambush whilst doing community service in an area belonging to a rival postcode gang. Have you heard of this one before? Actually, on the back of my mind, I think I have. Joshua Owens nearly died when three youths spotted him on the unpaid work scheme and blasted him in broad daylight. He was cleaning Brook College in the lower Clapton part of Hackney, East London, heart of E5 gang territory. What the hell are they? Never even heard of them. Police believe his attackers recognised him in the days before the July the 31st shooting as somebody linked to an E8 gang. Gangs ally to the two bordering postcodes are sworn enemies and teenagers risk being attack, uh, attacked for straying into the wrong area. Who are these numpties? Straying into the wrong area? Dear me, they're sworn enemies. It's like the retarded, isn't it? They're out there, uh, sworn enemy. Bang. Sworn enemy. God in heaven ridiculous. In some cities, apparently, the danger has become so great, probation officials can't put court sentence criminals on schemes outside their own neighbourhoods. The disturbing dossier was compiled by the probation union, probation union NAPO. Never anything like it. So they actually shot him because he'd wandered into the wrong postcode area. 
I'm living in the wrong place, aren't I? I'm definitely living in the wrong world. I think I should have been... Do you know, I'm sure it was better in Victorian times. I'm sure it was. Uh, Steve, how about the colour red for Tony Blair's book, representing the blood spilt on his watch? He, he makes no apology. The papers have said that. Uh, crocodile tears. No, he makes no apology for going into war. Absolutely nothing at all. There is no apology anyway. However, there are, there are a lot of problems with it because they're having to go by what they've been given so far, because the book has not been given uh, for them to read beforehand so that they could whiz through it and take out quotes. So the only paper who's actually done anything are the Mirror, who bought a foreign copy and had it translated. Well, who's going to be interested in buying it abroad? I've got no idea. Uh, Ray and Balham says, I was reading a list of quotes from the great Oscar Wilde. One of them made me chuckle. I'm sure it would appeal to your cynical sense of humour. A true friend will stab you in the front. Oh, I agree totally. I totally agree. I mean, that, 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 that does kind of appeal to me. That does appeal to me. A true friend will stab you in the front. There you go. Think about that. I'm looking at, you know, I'm looking at saucepans. Have saucepans gone very cheap? I was in Marks and Spencer's yesterday buying my, my winter coat. And they had three saucepans, look really nice, actually, for £19. And I thought that was really cheap until I've just seen a set of three Teflon non-stick saucepans from Asda for £12. And I thought, that seems really good value. I like the idea of buying... I do buy a lot of saucepans. I like saucepans. I, I don't cook. It's because I like to see them on the top of the stove and I like them to look clean and shiny. But I like the idea of going out to get the Marks and Spencers because they're black. Because if they're shiny, they, they show the dirt. And I like it so it looks like a show kitchen. So nothing ever gets dirty. But if I buy the black ones, they're only £19. That's really good value. Isn't that really good value? For three saucepans. Why are you looking at me strangely? It's very good. No, you don't have to use saucepan. You can have my old ones, Pop it. I'll bring you in my old saucepans. They've never been used. <laughs> Got some old pants and socks as well you can have, you know, if you want that kind of thing. Who knows? Anyway, we'll take a short break for the, uh, the news. We'll take more of your texts and emails. Who do you fancy at this precise moment... For Mayor of London. Drop us. Uh... Morning, every six and a half minutes past six, Wednesday morning in London town. Actually, this morning in Leicester Square, it was quite quiet. I was quite surprised. Normally, well, yesterday, it was, it was chock-a-block. Monday, was, it was like coming in, and I thought it was New Year's Eve, and then somebody had to remind me it was the aftermath of the Notting Hill Carnival, where people had been to Carnival, and then all, con- for some reason, people congregated in Leicester Square. So you've got people milling around going, where are all the bars open? Thinking that everything is open round here in the early hours, whereas it isn't. It's just this subway place on the corner. And, and that's about it. Very odd. Jonathan Levi's here. Hello, good morning. Morning. Good morning. Isn't it funny, Nottingham Carnival, people think it's sort of a success. There's, a, there's, a, there's pictures in the, in the newspaper last night, the Evening Standard, a bleeding girl gestures to the cameras after being in a fight. Um, six million pound police operation. People throwing stones at the police, and then oh, it's a great success. It went off peacefully. Uh, they, they no, said there were only two stabbings and two hundred and thirty arrests. I mean, oh, good, that's a success. That's a success. That's well, it is compared to previous years. Where the, I mean, I think relatively they, speaking, relatively speaking, I think they've had more more stabbings. But why is it such a violent, unpleasant event? I don't know. Well, it's it's only violent and unpleasant because. A lot of people go there carry knives. It's a six million pound police operation, and most of the offences are for drugs because people, for some reason, obviously at carnival, smoke joints. Yeah. And uh, to be honest with you, I tried doing that some years ago. I cannot hold a leg of lamb for very long, and it won't light. I don't know why people think you can smoke these things, but they walk around, and some people were drinking and driving, and some people were doing drugs and driving. Yeah. Because they're a bit stupid and they can't survive, and um, and it's held as a success. I mean, frankly, I think it's had its day. 
I think it's in the wrong place. They should have it in a field somewhere outside London. Well, that's what we've all said. In fact, I think it was Ken Livingstone who said he was going to move it to Hyde Park. Well, it makes Let them more troll sense. round Hyde Park exactly. for a few hours or something. That'd be all right. And also, then it's penned in with proper security. Well, it's, it's kind of penned in, but the people who live in Notting Hill, as we've said before, are not over-keen on it. They all move out for they the weekend. They all move out for the weekend, yeah. Because they get people urinating in their front gardens and things like that. But if that. it was in Hyde Park, you could have metal detectors and you could have... <laughs> it gets a bit dramatic. It's only carnival, for God's sake. You could We're have those metal detectors. airport things. They could have full-body scanners, yeah. armed police, dogs. You see, the argument would be that, uh, that if you start doing that, then it's racist... Well, it's got nothing to do with nothing to do. With no, race. I know, but you see, if if you're Rastafarian, smoking smoking dope is part of your culture, apparently. Right. As so. so so people say, why should I? And most of the police, I think, turn a blind eye to it. Yeah. Well, there, there was that uh, muddle. In fact, it was somebody speaking on LBC, wasn't it, about whether the the uh, rules on the tube about alcohol were going to be relaxed. Yes. Was somebody speaking. On TFL. This? Indicated, I thought that they were going to be relaxed. I thought, why? They first indicated on LBC they were going to be relaxed. Yes. And then Boris and the others quickly interjected and said, uh, no, "Oh no, 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 we're not." No. Well, I mean, I totally agree. Why should you? Why should you make two different rules for people? Well, also, if you start making a, an exception for alcohol on the tube for carnival, then I mean, where does it, where does it end? Well, it should be for everybody's birthday and stuff like exactly. that. You should say, "It's my birthday today. I want to drink on the tube." And they yeah. go, "Well, you can't." You go, "Well, you let them do it for carnival. Yeah. You let them do it for New Year's Eve. You're either going to knock it on the head or you're going to run with it." No, exactly. So you, you can't have two different rules. Can't be doing that. Um, I, I notice in a lot of the papers today, and you might have a thought on this: uh, Christine Bleakley biting the hand that fed her for God knows how many years. How the beeb froze me out. Uh, both her and Dreary Childs have gone into all the papers, or anybody who'll just listen, to talk about how they were almost forced to leave the BBC because they just made it so difficult for them to go. Uh, he says... Um he said he was happy to stay, but claimed Boss's decision to hire Chris Evans on Friday made their position untele- untenable. I'm not quite and sure. And you think... But, so you were working Monday to Thursday and they brought in Chris Evans. What, was he a bit worried you're going to be shown up? Or something. What difference does it make? What I think is quite interesting is that they've, you know, they've brought in Jason Manford and and that other woman who I can't remember the name of. No, instantly forgettable. <laughs> <laughs> but the ratings haven't really gone down for the one show. No. As a result, so it just does sort of go to show that um, our obsession with talent potentially is slightly overstated in that people mm. are tuning into the show and to the channel and no. to the slots. And not necessarily to the presenters. Yes. Well, put it this way. I actually said you could have had two trained chimpanzees on the programme. And it's because of the time it was on that it pulled an audience. Yeah. It certainly isn't anything to do with the content of the programme, which is lame in the extreme. Well, it's some... not cheap either. The format was a success because that slot, that 7pm slot weekday, wasn't getting a good audience yeah. before the one show came along. What was on there before? I can't, I know, I can't remember. I think it might have been like a holiday programme. Yeah, you see, sort of, given the choice... the wrong sort of thing. A couple of celebrities and a cooking slot and Dominic Littlewood or something going out there and being a bore, you know, kind of appeals to people. Yeah. So they watch that kind of stuff. Well, it's like drive time on the radio. It just, just sort of feels right for that sort of time yes. of day, doesn't yes. it? It has to be a particular sort of programme. So, you know, they're actually going, oh, it's our chemistry. There was no chemistry. I never saw any chemistry between the two of them. I wasn't remotely interested. And he he's actually says here... Uh, he says, we were both put under pressure. Christine was in an impossible situation. Um, I couldn't live with it, so that's why I left. And he says, um, we're both very happy carrying on doing the, the show together. 
So it had nothing to do with money and nothing to do with being lured by no. Britain's biggest commercial broadcaster. No, nothing to do. Even though I have it on very good authority that Daybreak had already got their presenter lined up. Right. Who on the Friday, and I'd love to tell you who it is, on the Friday was told, yes, don't worry, it's all going ahead. By the Monday morning, Adrian Childs had been hired and this other presenter uh, wasn't in the frame. Right. Which People is a bit so shame. disingenuous about money, aren't they? I remember Ed Richards, who's head of Ofcom, um, he was um, s- s- saying he's paid something like, you know, on, on, on the taxpayer's expense, something like £380,000 a year or something. It's some, something wow. like that as a salary. And he was like, oh, am I? I? I don't know. I don't do it for the money. It's like, really? You well, know, the funny thing is, I don't to... know. Do people do it for the money? I mean, I don't do well, dis- so... this job for the money. No, but quite you're... clearly. Yeah, but, <laughs> yeah, but this is a vocation and a passion. Yeah. For, for you, and and you've got kind of a loyal audience, and 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 all, and everything that comes with that, that that is that is like you know very valuable. Whereas Ed Richards, who's head of Ofcom, is a is a, a, a sort of an ambitious suit who's got to a. A point I love where... you, Ed. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> In case you're listening, I love Ofcom. Yeah. No, we <laughs> love, love Ofcom. Yeah. We think it's a wonderful regulator. It's a lot of money, extremely isn't it? needed. But it's a lot of money. Yeah. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's a government regulator. I still love him. I really love no, him. No, we love Ofcom. I seriously love uh, Ofcom. We, we, I mean, we love they're my favourite people. They, they make brilliant decisions. Absolutely. And with the radio authority we're in, I love them too. With wonderful rulings. I love anybody like that. Radio. Uh, Yvonne in Enfield would buy um, Tony Blair's book for the bonfire on November the 5th. And guess who the guy would be? I just say, most people who... There's hardly anybody buys these political books. The only people who buy them would be libraries. Well, they get remained at an airport, don't they, and a three for two. Well, Cherie Blair's in Poundland. Is she in Poundland? Pound. She wouldn't like that, I don't think. Well, of course Blair. she wouldn't. She's, they're both quite stuck up. For, for Labour, for hardline Labour people, they're, they're, they're quite clearly lining their nest. She's sort of unbelievably stuck up, isn't she, Cherie? I know, I've seen her on... Pro- I remember when yeah. Richard and Judy interviewed her and they, they brown-nosed so much, it was almost embarrassing. Yeah. All she was doing was flogging her book. And I remember thinking, oh, stop it, for goodness sake, it's too awful. He made a brilliant speech the other day about the Middle East, though, I have to say. Oh, Tony? Yeah. Oh, well, he does, but when he started, he wasn't very good. Now he's actually got a lot better, and now he's just milking it. Yeah. Katrina would vote for Boris... We were asking people who they would vote for. You know, in this little straw poll of giving the candidates so far for the London Mayor, Ken, Boris or Una, who you would go for. Barbara Windsor for Mayor, somebody's come up with. So that's not as far-fetched as you think. I don't think she wants the job. Nick Ferrari. Uh, Ken for Mayor, says Deanna. And uh, Steve says Martin. Blair will be making his blood money today. He'll never say sorry. Well, he, he's already... It's, it's crocodile tears, but still no apology, I'm afraid. So Alan Sugar for mayor, says Wayne. He'd be a great candidate and can't do any worse than bonkers Boris. So there you go. Quarter past six. With the news headlines, Peter Ferris. Steve, thank you. Seven. LBC, 97.3. Morning, every 17 minutes past six. Uh, Ashley wants Una King as mayor of London. A black mayor will make the world of difference to the people of London. Why? Why would a black mayor wake the world of it? doesn't make any difference what colour they are, does it? Wouldn't imagine it make any difference. I should imagine that Boris and Ken are just for black people as they are for just anybody else. Tall, short, bald, not bald. Uh, Blair handed Brown a poison chalice. Says, I knew before and have been proved right he was a lousy leader. Speaks volumes of the man. Not very popular, is he, in that, uh, in that particular respect. But strangely enough, even more embarrassing for Dizzy Rascal. Uh, Dizzy Rascal, who apparently turned up at a nightclub the other night, Cirque du Soir, the private members' club in Mayfair, in a chauffeur-driven silver Mercedes, and flanked by two security guards, he went up to the door. Although, to be honest, he could walk in and out. I wouldn't have the faintest idea who he was. 
No idea. A clubber says they cleared a path through a, cloud, a crowd of screaming girls for Dizzy, but the bouncer stopped him and asked him whether his name was on the guest list. Dizzy stared open-mouthed until his mind has convinced the guy to let him in. He had problems when it came to home time, too. He kept calling his driver, but he wasn't answering the phone. All a bit embarrassing. I don't know who he is. Who is Dizzy Rascal? Dizzy Rascal. He's quite... He's quite is that his real name, or is his real name something like Eric? Well, probably, <laughs> probably Eric. But, um, he's quite good, Dizzy Rascal, yeah. OK. Yeah. Uh, Help a London child, incidentally, have 40 places at this year's Royal Parks Foundation Hearts and Heritage Walk, and we'd love you to be a part of it. On Sunday the 10th of October, this 13.1 mile walk will take you through the streets and parks of London, starting and finishing in Hyde Park. You can walk for our very own Help a London Child and raise money for disadvantaged kids across the capital. We'll give you the ongoing advice and fundraising support to help you reach your goal. You can register online now at www.lbc.co.uk forward slash help a London child lbc.co.uk forward slash help a London child. Lovely. Where are we off to now? Well, this is quite interesting. In Broadcast Magazine, and it might chime in with what a lot of listeners think about television at the moment and the different what's on the schedule and what's on, what's on across all the channels. Frightened commissioners through a session and an obsession with ratings are making broadcasters more risk-averse than ever, with three-quarters of our respondents blasting controllers and commissioners' lack of courage. And that, that there's no appetite for risk on channels, which means that commissioners are frightened of making mistakes, not backing a hunch, and then effectively commissioning the same old thing again and again and again. Yeah. You know? um, that I think a lot of people probably do feel that when they turn the TV on, don't they? Well, what do we want on television? I don't know what we want. I really don't know what we want. Years ago, they'd go, we've got brides here, but I don't remember voting for brides here no, or any of those sort of things. What do we want on television? Well, it's the job of producers, I suppose, you know, like me in factual area and then other people in other areas and commissioners to try and anticipate what people want and come up with what feels right for the kind of mood of the... But, uh, uh, but, are you, but you're, you're very much governed by your budget. So somebody will say you have a budget of, say, a million pounds to go and spend, and you've then got to spend that the best way you can Yeah, but the budget is depending on what idea you come up with. Right. So if, you, if, so if, so if, you know, if I had, I don't know, um, exclusive access to Tony Blair as he was doing his global book tour or something, yeah. and, and, you know, the first interview or whatever, yeah. um, and I could sell that to ITV1 at 9 o'clock, the budget could be quite big because he would want a big fee and Sherry Blair would want a big right. fee and, you know, all that kind of thing. Yeah. But, you know, if, 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 I have, um, if I had access to... Steve Allen's cooking tips in the kitchen. Yeah, or, you know, um, Caricatono for... Or Steve Allen's UK cooking TV tips style. in the kitchen. <laughs> then, obviously, the budget would be quite small. So the, Is that for Steve Allen's cooking tips in the kitchen? Ki- Steve just... Allen's cooking tips in the kitchen would be yeah. a huge Huge, huge ratings. Huge hit. ratings. Yeah, huge hit. ratings. Hit, yes. Repeated. Out of sympathy. <laughs> Put up against the X Factor. <laughs> um, yes, now, that would be your nightmare. <laughs> Anything that goes up against the X Factor, because poor old uh, BBC just... No one gets a look in You now. cannot get a look in, because it just wipes the board, and they go, yeah. you're up against X Factor, you go, oh, no, please not. Britain's Got Talent's almost more popular. Yes. I think it is actually more popular, yeah. it gets bigger audience. I mean, but there again, see, those are programmes which are, which are put together by Simon Cowell's company, which is yeah. Psycho, isn't it? Well, it's Psycho and Talkback Thames, yes. they work together for ITV. Right. So they, they put the programme together... Presumably the brief is, get an audience. 
And it just seems to be a formula that keeps on working, no matter how stupid the contestants are and how ridiculous and how much they have a fight on stage. And whatever scandals seem to it come doesn't matter along, whether the auto a scandal. tuning or yeah. whether somebody's a prostitute or whether somebody's in mentally ill or whatever, it doesn't really matter. It, doesn't all, matter. it all adds fuel to the fire. I'll tell you what it? I noticed yesterday, and I'm sort of, I've said it a million times before, and I'm going to have to stand by it. They do a clip, it's obviously a programme on ITV2. Right. Uh, they did one with Paul Potts showing his sort of rise to fame, and on comes Paul Potts, funny little fat man, works for Carphone Warehouse. Oh, look, he sings Ness and Dormer. You know, Amanda Holden practically has a breakdown on the spot. You know, well, I didn't expect that. I thought, what do you think he's going to do, juggle? Yeah. And, and then they, they did a programme the other night with Susan Boyle. And so they show Susan Boyle getting made up, and they bring her on for Les Miserables. So they have the company of Les Miserables who are on stage. Do you hear the people sing, singing? And they do all this kind of thing. Then the doors open and on comes Susan Boyle and uh, gets to the front and sings. I can only describe it averagely. Put it this way. This woman would never in a million years get a job. In, uh, you could see the look on all the, the company of Les Miserables standing there looking at her thinking, you're really not very good at all, are you, dear? She couldn't hold any of the notes for any of the songs. She sang one. I only saw the one. I had to turn it off. It was so blooming awful. I thought Cameron Mackintosh wouldn't touch you with a barge pole because she couldn't hold the note. She was very, 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 very average. And I was listening to her thinking, are you auto-tuned? Because you have to listen to it carefully. And I think you can tell mm. if somebody's auto-tuned. And you know as a producer that it's, it's quite an easy thing to put into a programme. Yeah. And I just thought to myself then, I think we've been sold a duck on that one. Because I just didn't... It, she just didn't fit in with Les Miserables. She walked onto the front of the stage and sang... I think she sang I Dreamed a Dream. Blooming awfully. Yeah. And I've heard it a million times. And let me tell you, all the people singing in the West End sing it a hundred times better than she ever could. The whole Susan Boyle phenomenon was hugely overrated, really. And it was designed overhyped. to sell albums. And it was a great, with great success, especially well, in America. Well, she had the breakdown, which I think screwed them up a little bit. Because yeah. they, they had her in the Priory. But in the meantime, they've got studio time... And they've got to try and get the album out to hit the market, because otherwise it would have been a waste of everybody's time. Yeah. But it's, it's contrived. It At is. the end of the day, I don't think she'll bring out another album. She might put a cat in a bin. She reminds me <laughs> She of likes cats. She does, does she? remind you of cats. I tell you, they don't have to do her up for the television. Go, yeah, blimey. In true. comes little old grey-haired woman. Out goes fairly glamorous, but still can't sing woman. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And when she sang Wild Horses, well, I tell you, if ever you want to hear auto-tuning, ladies and gentlemen, have a listen to Wild Horses. It sounds like a different person. She has, for some reason, she cannot breathe properly. And I heard Gareth Gates singing a song from Les Miserables, and he wasn't much better either. He was no. OK, but they're no match on people who sing eight shows a week in the West End. Which is completely exhausting. It is absolutely... Ask anybody who's been in Les Miserables, and they go, and you d that's what they do. I mean, it was tiring. It must have been really exhausting for you to do two shows back-to-back -back Well, exhausting, the as you can imagine. But can you imagine Luckily, we had another a, six? We had a, she was tired next door. Yeah. But then again, she was rushing around trying to talk to as many people who knew her. Hello, I'm Amanda. Hello, Chinese. Oh, child. You know, and all there that kind of stuff. There was a great deal of audience, audience um, interest in yes. Chinese. Yes. I had a lot of complaints, though, afterwards. A lot of people saying, we, we, we heard that there were boiled sweets being given out. We didn't get one. Oh, really? Yes. John Warrington was standing very conscientiously. I thought he was out. handing out a boiled sweet to everybody. He was standing at the front of the queue as everybody filed well, in. Well, somebody complained. And they, they wrote in and said, excuse me, but on the Oprah Winfrey show, everybody got a Pontiac. Uh, on one of her shows as a thank you from Harpo Productions. Then all we got was a boiled sweet. We should have stood by the car and given them out. <laughs> yes. Could have taken the car home. I think we might do boiled sweets again for the next one. That's just, right, just right. To, I, I, I mention it again because J.K. Rowling and giving her her 10 million to a multiple sclerosis research clinic. She is clinic. incredibly generous. Isn't that generous. just fantastic? She's given away so much of her money. Yeah. 
I mean, she's incredibly generous, very unusually generous, J.K. Rowling. Yes, I mean, I, I'm also I like the fact that she seems to be relatively unaffected. Yeah, as you as you can only can be with five hundred and fifty million pounds. Can I just tell a very short amusing story about J.K. Please Rowling? Be funny. There's no time. Please be funny. J.K. Rowling got somebody to come around t- to quote for the making of a little wall around her pond and her garden, <laughs> and the builder came round, didn't know who she was. She used her husband's name, I think, and the builder came round and looked and uh, realised halfway through who she was um, and the quote was for a little wall to go around a pond to stop children and animals falling in the pond so the builder went away and sent the quote through 1.4 million no yeah no <laughs> because he thought you know because she's as rich as she is she might not notice i mean obviously she found it laughably ridiculous i get that all the time but um i bet you do i get it all the time people just bounce up you know the price of things. Yeah. A friend of mine who works we in had radio. It with your insurance. Exactly, we got it with insurance. You know, you're on the radio, are you? Well, let's oh, bump it up to yeah. one thousand. Add another naught. Another yes. naught. Don't worry, he'll actually pay it. He's a sucker. No, he's not. He's gone somewhere else. Just because she's got that kind of money, yeah. I mean, she's actually well, she's giving it away to cancer charities, not dodgy, corrupt builders. A friend of mine who's a very famous radio DJ went to get his car serviced at a garage in Henley, and they came back with a bill for it years years ago of something like eight hundred pounds. And he sort of doubted. He said, I didn't think there was anything the matter with it at all. So he got examined by the AA to find out what had been done on the checklist of things. It turned out absolutely nothing had been done at all. The AA went through it with a fight, so he took him to court and he won. Because that happens with a lot in garages. They go, we yeah. put in spark plugs. Well, I, you would, would you know? I wouldn't know. She certainly wouldn't know next door. She's got no idea. Unless they put new, new brakes on a wheelchair, she's got no idea what she's looking for. You know, she does her best, but there you go. Uh, right, we're going to take a short... Oh, we're not taking a short break just yet. We've got time for a little a little story in the paper. Well, Paris Hilton's in trouble, isn't she, really? She's With... not doing very well, but they've, mm. all, they've all laughed at her, I'm afraid, today, including uh, one of the columnists who says, oh, do me a favour. It was somebody else's handbag, and she knew it was somebody else's because it wasn't a classy handbag. She'd only have classy handbags. Well, you know what Paris is like. Well, she was in her new boyfriend's car, and her new boyfriend, I think, is... She's got another a... boyfriend? She's, I think so, yes. Oh, uh, my goodness but, me. But, but, um, oh, dear. Uh, he's quite... Well, she, she did have a, a friend who had a little bit of trouble with stuff. But uh, we shouldn't be surprised at Coca-Cola stuff being used in celebrity circles. No, we shouldn't. But I suppose is, every now is, and again they make an example of somebody, don't they? Well, they if, she, if she's found in. guilty of this one, it could be four years in prison. Yeah. Seems rather harsh for a country that seems to have so many drug problems. Mexico over the border... No, it's they, true. They, they, they behead people yeah. for mixing with their drugs and stuff like that. It's all a little bit dangerous, I'm afraid. Gwen in Chiswick, good morning. She's 88. And David and Vid at Tynice. I should have said hello to you the other day and I completely forgot about it, so my apologies. David and Vid from Tynice and Gwen in Chiswick. This season, football has a brand new player. 25 to 7 is the time. Annette says, if I was a Londoner, Steve, I would want Boris for mayor. He seems to be doing a good job, but he's not constantly in need of raising his own profile. And on a, a different note, do you know when Barbara Windsor's last episode on EastEnders is shown? No, but it's a bit of a, it's a, bit of a cliffhanger, this one. I think I was, there's going to be, you know, lots of sparks. I was thinking about watching um, the Dreadwood show on ITV2 last night, but then I watched the last ever Bill instead. What was it quite like? sad, really. Yes, well, I mean, to well, be honest, we had Last of the Summer Wine the day before. Yeah. Now we've got Last of the Bill. Yeah. Last of the Summer Wine really could have run a long time. Yeah. You know, and it was also providing a lot of uh, work for a lot of elderly actors, in inverted commas. Yeah. The Bill you could have kept running. I don't know why ITV didn't want to keep it. I know. And it was my boss, my old boss. Yeah, I say old boss now. Melvin Bragg's final day yesterday at ITV after 34 years. Oh, my God. Did you have a whip round? We had, um, we gave him some drinks and then 
said goodbye to him at the lift at about sort of half past seven. Said goodbye last to him at the lift. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there's the lift. We've got the lift for you. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> and then down he went, and that was it. Thirty-four years. Oh, been at ITV. Which is a wrench, isn't it? Yeah. Thirty-four years. Thirty-four years. Cracking. It just made me feel how quickly everything goes, you know, because. All he's sort of done is just worked there and made programmes and done this and done that, and yeah. then suddenly 34 years has gone by. Yes. Well, I think the same, actually. It's, it's 32 for me. And it was funny, they were looking at... There were some things on the television the other day, and they were going, oh, when this happened, and it was 1979. I thought, blimey, I started at LBC in 79. Yeah. It's amazing. How, you're right, how, how time whizzes through, and you think, where's it all gone? And it's so funny, because somebody, somebody said to me a short while ago, oh, you're always going on about how long you've been there for. And I said, yeah, but this is somebody who works for the company. Yeah. I said, but you'll be saying the same. Exactly. In a few years' time, you'll be going, oh, I've been there 20 years or 25 years or whatever. It's weird it's when, an achievement when in you're in a room, age. you kind of swap places with people. I always used to think of myself as the kind of one of the younger people. And now that I work with so many people who are younger than me, yes. it's very strange. I was we... one of the youngest people here when I started. Yeah. Certainly the youngest presenter. I think next to Cl- I think Clive and I, I think, are the only two people from... From original. that far, well, not even the original lineup because right. it started seventy four, and we actually came. I think I can't remember what year Clive started. I was seventy nine December. Okay, and I think he might have been a bit before, but I was on air first. Right, I think he was he was being phone up for Brian Hayes and training at News Inf. I'll have to check. I can't remember exactly. Well, anyhow, but it all goes very quickly. It does, doesn't it? It's quite yeah. frightening. I still haven't quite worked out what I want to do for a living. <laughs> I'm thinking. I don't think my mother ever thought it was a proper job either. Uh, Brian would vote for Ken. The one thing with him is he said it direct and was straight, offend or, or otherwise. Uh, another one here. I would vote for Gok Wan. At least he has dress sense, says Bernice. And Tim says, I was amazed to hear an LBC report being used as a prop in the Sweeney yesterday. Yeah, they, they, they crop up on programmes like that, which is quite nice. <laughs> and uh, Nick Ferrari, James Whale or Steve Allen for Mayor of London. Well, I think probably James Whale, actually. I would think so for that one. Nick, Nick Ferrari's got... Uh, he gave me some sprouts yesterday. I haven't managed to cook them yet. I'm going to have them today. No, no um, James Whale gave me some sprouts. He obviously has a market garden or a business or something. I don't know. Or perhaps he's stealing them. I don't know where he gets this. All of a sudden, a courgette will turn up in my pigeonhole. And, and you go, oh, that's nice. And he goes, it's a courgette. And I go, lovely. And I sort of take it home and sit there looking at it for a week. Yeah. yeah. He doesn't Sounds know what a bit to do. Well, he is a bit peculiar. He can't help it. But he, he's got this thing about vegetables. Has he? Yeah. Root vegetables. Root vegetables, I know. Right. Anything that comes on a stalk or you dig up, he's quite interested Best in. the better. I know. Best not to talk about it. Nick Ferrari's with you after the news at seven this morning. After President Obama declared an end to the Iraq war on Tuesday, Nick will be asking whether the conflict can be seen as a victory or a disaster for the superpower. Plus, on the day the ballot's open for a new Labour leader, Nick speaks to Ed Miliband and Diane Abbott to find out what they'd do if they were to win. Vincent Moss, political editor of the Sunday Mirror, the only people... Actually, it's actually ironic that he gets the political editor of the Sunday Mirror in. The only paper that actually went out and bought um, Tony Blair's book in another language and had it translated. So uh, they have got quotes. Everybody else just <laughs> had to take what was, uh, what was on offer. Well, else have we got? Jamie Bulger's um, killer, John Venables, is being secretly visited in jail by a single mum. Yes, I saw that. He um, has a child, doesn't he? Yes. Apparently. It's, it's very strange how people fall in love with and get attached to these very peculiar psychopaths and murderers. Do you remember a woman? Years ago, she was on the television and she wrote to a killer in America on death row and through letters she apparently fell in love with him. I think it happens quite a lot. You do get women who write. Yeah. A friend of mine had a Writes fixation with one of the Crays, and he wrote to him in Parkhurst. 
and uh, said, oh, I've, I've seen the film, I'm a big fan of yours. And Ronnie wrote back, was it Reggie? One of the two. And said, uh, thank you very much indeed, uh, but unfortunately I can't continue this, this correspondence. Because they must get loads of strange people who want to be friends with them. And you're right, there's loads of people who write to and befriend killers and weirdos. Isn't it strange? Well, well I don't know. I mean, you... aspect of human you psychology that, that bar- we... bizarre woman who married so-called Britain's hard man Charles Manson? Oh, yeah. And she married him, and then, then he divorced her because it was quite clearly stupid. And, uh, and she became a sort of a minor celebrity. Very peculiar. And it, it is odd. I don't know why you <clears> would <throat> fall in love with somebody like that. But you do, you do get them, and they do make television programmes about people who fall in love with killers. Same way as I think ITV2 did the other day, a programme on people who shoplift. I saw somebody shoplifting in Tesco's the other day. I see it all the time. I can't. I have to look the other way. I was in Iceland the other day, and I'm at the till, buying a couple of, let's just call them items, and this bloke walks in, one of our local drunks, picks up a four, four can of beer and walks straight out again. Nobody says a word. So I thought, there's no point in saying to the girl on the till, he's nicking from you. Mm. I see it all the time. I see it all the time in supermarkets, oh, yeah. where women open crisps and give them to their kids, and they don't pay for them. But you bet... I heard you talking about that the other day on the radio. But don't you then pay at the till with the empty packets? No, they don't. No, they do, don't they? No, they, they don't. They just leave it in the bottom of their basket. Really? If, you like, if I was on the till, I'd go, sorry, and the crisps... But it's only thieving if they, t- if they then take the empty packet and no, no, hide no. it somewhere it's in the shop. No, no, no. It's thieving from the moment they open and start eating goods they've not paid for. No, but they're paying for it in a minute. Yeah, but they don't. They don't pay for it in a minute. Well, they then they'd have to the hide... The, well, you can't hide it, have it in the bottom because you'd see it as you were... They, everybody they just would get see rid it. of it. But get I'll take you shopping w- with me. I'll show you people shoplifting in Poundland. But most people, I think, because I've seen that... Um, I what about grapes, then? Would you cast that as street? As, if as you took a grape as, you, as you're going by? Well, you, put it, you, you pick up your packet of grapes, you put them on, as you're going round, you're just taking a few. Is that all right? Uh, no, because it reduces the weight. Absolutely. You'd have but to, get, do it you'd have to sit on the scales a little bit with the grapes. Yes, exactly. Not yes. Well... <laughs> Strange idea. I've never heard about that but one. You can't, you can't just lean on it with your elbow. Yes, just slightly. Yes, to give as okay, much right. pressure as the yeah. amount of grapes that you've eaten. I see thieving that's all the time. Thieving. If, you, if, if you stole the weight of grapes, that's thieving. Yeah. But I think if you open a packet of crisps and then pay for the packet of crisps with the, the empty, empty packet, packet, you think? Or otherwise, how, they'd have to hide how, the packet. How innocent you are! Of course, they. they you have. think they hide the packet? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's deliberate crisp eating. Yes, absolutely. They give it to the kid, they go, oh, the kid was hungry. You go, yeah, but wait till you get to the end and pay for it. I think it's fine if you do then pay for the empty packet. Yeah, if they pay for it, yes. I don't think think the majority do. I I think they all go, oh, the supermarkets make enough profit. Who cares about a packet of crisps? What if you're in the vegetable section and the fruit section and you grab something and clumsily, with your elbow, knock over a load of other fruit and veg that falls on the ground and rolls away? People start stamping on it accidentally. You've wasted. Should you have to pay for that? Um... We haven't thieved it, but well, you've ruined it. No, you shouldn't. But on the other hand, I do see people knocking stuff on the floor and they have an, ab- an inability to bend down and pick it up. They do. People don't pick up stuff they they've knocked over. No. They just leave it on the floor. And then other people trip on it, stand on it, yes. kick it. I, I mean, I don't see that as much as I do mothers with pushchairs thieving. No, but in a way you're better off thieving than that because at least there's some use goes to it. That, do you remember that, that programme that was done? Out. It, was, it might have been the girly show some years ago on the television. And the Girlie Show had a few... It had Jane Middlemas in, and, yeah. you know, a few people like that weren't my favourites. And they had a woman on, and she thieved from Marks and Spencers. Did she? And she was a professional thief. That's what she did. 
and she would go in there, she would pick... She didn't go in with anything. She would pick a coat up off the rack, get a bit of lippy, rub it on the collar, and stick an old bus ticket in the pocket. And in those days, you could go to Marks and Spencer's and take any item back, and they'd give you your money back on it, without right. a receipt. Oh, really? Now they want a receipt. Oh, yeah, without receipts. So people would go in there, thieve something, go straight up to the till, and she would get her money back. And the only reason she was successful in Marks and Spencer's is they could never catch her when she was taking the item off the, the coat hanger. She would sometimes take it off, put it over her arm, and as she's going round, rub a bit of lippy, put a peppermint in the pocket, or something like that, and then take it back. But it, it doesn't doesn't suit. Did you see the Great British Waste menu on TV the other day? It was the Great British about how menu. how much we waste. It, it is, yeah. But supermarkets do throw out... The, the trouble is with this conversation is that supermarkets do throw out unbelievable amount of they stuff. they give it to the poor? No. Oh. A lot of the time they don't. Oh. They just throw it out. Because it's past its sell-by. Yes, but sell-by dates, use-by dates, it's all a bit of a... Turns out to be more complicated than it seems. Right, it's not bad. For you think they actually want to give it to, the, to the poor and the homeless who want to eat this stuff? Very, some very few places do. Oh, in fact, well, that seems a bit of a way. Some supermarkets have a very strict policy of not doing that because it, um, it sort of devalues their brand, as it were. So they. Well, I have to be out. honest. I don't really want to see people sitting by the side of the road with a dog on a rug eating some Marks and Spencer stuff. I like to think I'm a little bit sort of better than that. Well, I think they like to think that too. Yes, but, they, but most of them don't want to sit there with food anyway. No. There was a man the other day, again in Kingston, and he held his hand out. He's, he's about probably my age, if not a bit younger, but he, he smokes and drinks and he's got a mobile phone. Excuse me, got any spare change? They've all got funny voices, as opposed to, excuse me, have you got any spare change? They put on it's, a funny voice. Have, have There's you a got guy any, out- any <laughs> spare, a spare change, mate? And I was looking at him, I go, do I look like I've got spare change? You know, because I like to be caring. You know, but it's, it's just, it's one of those odd things that people got funny voices when they ask you for money. It's like, I, I don't feel very well. You think, well, if, if you spent less time sitting on the cold pavement, dear, with a dog, you might better get a job, mightn't you? With the headlines. Peter Ferris. Steve, thank you. President from 7, LBC 97.3. There must be uh, surveys coming up in the uh, newspapers, Mr Levi, because uh, the other week they were talking about what is the funniest film of all time, and people, I can't remember what the end result was, but people were saying airport. Or air- Airplane was very funny. Now they're looking at 50 Years of Psycho. Is it the scariest film ever? Psycho. I don't know what's scary. Paranormal Activity was meant to be very scary. A, new, a film that was very low-budget horror film. Right. And I went to see a film the other night, the premiere of the, the Eli Roth's new movie called The Last Exorcism. That was quite scary. Right. Yeah. I suppose people find, sort of, I find little sort of possessed children and dogs and babies and, and, and sort of dark doors with screaming and exorcism. And that's go, all quite scary. And here we are in a house and I'm just going, don't go through the door! Don't go, go through, through the, the door! door. Yeah. There's no lights on! Don't go in there! demons and poltergeists yes. and possession. Go outside, sit in the car and lock the door. Yeah. Well, that's quite scary, isn't it? Well, it's the music that makes it, if it goes... Yeah, the music makes... The score makes a huge difference. Yeah, the score makes such a difference. Because if you actually turn off the, the television sound and put on the cheeky girl singing We Are the Cheeky... It doesn't seem as scary. No. Lofts and attic, lofts and basements And they always want to go into a loft or a basement. They yeah. go, let's go and look in the basement. No, don't. Don't. Just close don't the door. Close the door and go lock home. It and don't lock go in the, the door because there's something down there that will hurt you. Yeah, there's a demon in the loft. Don't go up <laughs> exactly. there. Exactly. <laughs> it was like, even Jumanji, I thought, was quite scary when the game started playing by itself. I mean... Don't play the game. See, we're scared by loads of things. Exactly, because in my place, if a rhinoceros came through the wall, it's going to make one hell of a mess. Those orcs and in, in Lord of the Rings with it, and those um, those people with the. I never saw that. Oh, that's quite scary. Dogs with red eyes. 
I don't find dogs with red eyes quite scary. Uh, I don't know. I don't. Snarling. I, I killer bees or things like that I find quite... She's quite killer scary bees. in the morning. Depending Swarms whether she's made the outfit birds. or not. She's very scary. Thank you. <laughs> Oh, that's right. Don't don't stamp your feet as you walk out. Dear me. <laughs> she clumped her feet then. Quite those Chinese clogs. It is, I know. Uh, well, uh, the trouble is, we started binding her feet the other week. And she yeah. started becoming a little bit precious about right. it, saying, you know, I don't want to do that. Well, she had a whole childhood the... of it, that's why. Sorry? She had a whole childhood I know, of but it. it's also coming up to the Moon Festival, so she's oh, looking forward to being the Moon again this right. year. Okay. We get this every year where she paints her face and puts a happy smile on. Right. It's very rare. Uh, Steve, you must have been seven when you started at LBC, 32 years, because you're only 39. Yeah, and? Yeah, child So I was star. fairly young, child star. Yeah. <laughs> you and Charlotte Church. <laughs> Same generation. She's apparently thinking of moving abroad. I would, I would recommend this too. She already lives in Wales. Well, it says like being abroad, but Gavin's very upset because she'll take the kids if she goes to America. Uh, and I thought, well, Americans don't want her. No. Why would America want her? You have to prove that you can, you can offer something. But uh, it's not. Actually, okay, so th- this will be so, nothing on you, but okay. Britons have sex for an average of 49 days, 13 hours and 41 minutes during their lifetime. Oh, for goodness sake. Who? Who? Write in if you've got days. the time. All the minutes you've writing. ever had sex, add them together. And that's Across it. your lifetime, 49 well, days. How have they worked that out? I don't know. Well, Among- who have they asked? Oh, I don't know about this. This seems extremely unlikely. It's for- Among sexually active people, the average session lasts... How long? How long? 19.5 minutes. Oh, don't be so ridiculous. Three, if you're lucky. Uh, and that's including a cigarette and a shopping list. I mean, must be a 19 typo. minutes? 19 and a half minutes. And you could pass out through boredom. 19 minutes? Who can make it last 19 minutes? minutes? Oh, dear. Must be an age thing, ladies and gentlemen. The producer's laughing. It's obviously a few distant memories for her there. The least sexually active (laughs) enjoy just 30 hours and 170 days for the most, Randy. Really? 170 days. You see, I find that with a a survey like that, you've just depressed a lot of people, including me. (laughs) Because quite clearly, you know, it's not happening at all. Isn't that worrying? Because everybody will now be going. You know, when people say, oh, an average, you know, the average person has uh, sexual relations about four times a week. You think, well, who? Who are these people four times a week? Yeah. Where? Nobody I know. Uh, that must be sort of 16 to 25-year-olds. Well, even them, I don't think it's possible. I've looked around the newsroom. There's nobody up there. Even twice a year would be pushing it for some of them. Right. It's just not happening. No. Ridiculous. So we don't like surveys like no, that. No, we don't like surveys. Uh, like a little bit worried about Chantel Houghton. A uh, lot of bullying going on in the Big Brother house. Apparently, they're all ganging up against Ulrika. Seems fair enough to me. Uh, this is Makosi and uh, the Garcia. It's all the revolting ones. Makosi, uh, Michelle Bass and Nadia, who's got so fat now, she's like two houses walking around there. She's, you know, considering she brought out a fitness video, and now, I'm afraid, it just looks like a bloke waddling about. Uh, Michelle Bass has put on a load of weight. She's had surgery, badly bleached hair. Most of it, of course, not hers. And Makosi, just a ridiculous uh, person, I'm afraid. In, in, together with Ulrika Johnson, they're all a bit stupid, I'm afraid. Wouldn't give you house room for any of them. They're all flawed, including Chantelle, um, who says, I felt like a failure. Darling, I'm surprised if you've ever felt anything but a failure. What was your claim to fame? You were a Paris Hilton lookalike. You never looked like Paris Hilton. Never. Never, ever, Absolutely in a million years. Unless, like of course, Hilton. you screwed up your eyes and somebody put a paper bag over your head. That means that you might have looked like Paris Hilton, but you just don't look like Paris Hilton, dear. All this fake romance, you know, is just stupid. Stupid, stupid, stupid. They're an awful bunch, though, this big brother. I mean, really awful. The sooner they end that brand, yes, better. Yes, yes. 
Yes, I mean, I've, I've noticed that um, even Davina seems a bit more animated than usual to try and compensate for the fact that nobody's doing anything. Can you tell me who actually won Big Brother? Josie. What was her claim to fame? She bedded an Australian. Ah, good Lord. Hardly difficult. A man who couldn't even have long trousers on, which always worried me a little bit. But uh, the rest of them, terrible. Marks and Spencer's give away food to homeless charities. Good. Apparently. So that's... Um, yes, I remember reading something about that. Well, a lot of them have been guilted and sh- sort of shamed into it, doing it in the last few years. It seems ridiculous to throw it out when somebody could eat it. Yeah. Well, you, you see people going through the going through all the bags of sandwiches and things outside Eats. Have you seen um, Eats and Pret and things like that around the back Do of they? them? Yeah, you see people going Do through the bins. they have the any bins. of those nice sort of crispy things? They've got a piece of bacon in the middle. Yes. They throw those ones yeah, out. As well. I like out. those ones, actually. Uh, I was in a woman's refuge at Christmas, Steve, and M&S gave us all Christmas dinner. Well, I think I'm heading down to your women's refuge. Very nice. For a, for a Christmas dinner. Well, I think they M&S. should do. They should, yeah, they should. I think they should do, because they make lots of profit, and, you know, to give a little bit back, what does it cost you? A couple of thousand quid. It's peanuts. It's nothing. Drinking a cup of coffee a day can be the secret to a long life. I'm glad about that. I'm addicted oh. to coffee. Well, I've uh, only recently I've started coming in, pick up the papers from whoever's on the reception here, and coming up to the first floor and having a cup of coffee, yeah. and then take it upstairs. But what I what I've started this morning, very naughty, is making two cups of coffee and having one, uh, one one cup of coffee here, and then taking another one upstairs. Right. Well, that's not yeah. too bad. Just means you'll have an even longer life, according to the study. I've got a sur- I've got a text. Here. I don't know who it's from. The survey is right, Steve. Started at nine last night and still going. Oh. Well, it's just ridiculous, isn't it? Oh. Jonathan, stop sending me these. It's a fib, OK? <laughs> <laughs> God, I've no I wonder who that is. I hate it when I don't know who a text has come from. It drives Still me mad. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Oh, I tell, you who it, I tell you exactly who it is. It's Alan Dodgen. Alan Dodgen. I've just realised who it is. It's Alan Dodgen. Having Fibs. sex all night yeah. and all morning. Well, it's rubbish, isn't it? It's just done to depress you, ladies and gentlemen. Don't, don't worry about it. Combine it with coffee. Combine it with coffee. Yes, I mean, people do get addicted. How many cups do you do a day? Uh, Two or three. Two or three a day? Mm. That's all right. Is it? Why do you think you're addicted? Well, because it's every day. Yeah, but I do about four. I've done about four this morning. I've had two before I started. Uh, One when we came into the studio, and I've just had two. That just means... She bought me one, and you bought me one. That just means you're addicted. doesn't mean I'm not. (laughs) No, but I don't think I'm addicted. But I know I am. You, you are. You're just in denial. I'm not addicted. You're having it. You're having four cups a day. Five today. Five cups a day. Yeah, but I'm not addicted. Well, you must be if it's every day. You think that's an addiction? Five cups of coffee. If you do anything every day, it's. Oh, an for goodness! I've never had anything like it in my life. It's not an addiction. What do you have? Five norm- cups of coffee a day. What, what else do you drink? Uh, water. You drink water for the rest of the day. So you can have two or three cups of coffee and then water. Sometimes tea. How many cups of tea? A couple. Well, on top of the. Uh, yeah, on top of the coffee. Well, you're coffee. an addict then, aren't you? I mean, quite clearly an addict. I, of course, am just having one of my funny days. <laughs> Jonathan, thank you. Thank you very much. When does Fern start her new series? Um, the 8th of September. 8th of September. Fern and Misha Barton, 9pm ITV2. Thank you. I've seen a couple of adverts for it, a couple of trails. Can't get away from it. Anyway, Jonathan is back uh, next week at the same time. Thank you very much indeed. Let's hope the weather's going to be... Actually, it looks like it could be a nice day. The sun appears to be just peeking through, so I'm, I'm in favour of peeking through sunshine. We like that. Have yourself uh, a great day. You can join Nick Ferrari and the team after the news at 7 o'clock this morning. I'm back with you tomorrow at 5. Don't forget to podcast. Don't forget to check out the blog. And don't forget to check out uh, LBC's Help a London Child. OK? Uh, Nick with you shortly. First of all, the business update with Peter Ferris. Steve, thank you. The 